0: Level with that, I would say, an importance in how I listen. And what is it that this pet owner feels hurt? No veterinary textbook has taught me compassion.
1: Hi, I'm Tori Mystic, and you're listening to the Wear, Wag, Repeat podcast, the only show dedicated to supporting women in all areas of the pet industry. Hey everyone, I'm Tori Mystic and you're tuning in to another episode of the Wear Wag Repeat podcast. Thanks for being here. Today, we are getting into a heartfelt chat with the lovely Carla Finzel, a district veterinary nurse based in the UK. In this conversation, we cover the emotional depths of caregiver compassion fatigue that very real strain that pet guardians feel when trying to administer care to their pets, especially as they age or have different illnesses or chronic diseases they're dealing with. Carla was in the trenches at an emergency vet clinic practice for years, and she shared a fascinating tidbit from her journal that she kept over those years. She observed that so many pets who came in, while not in immediate danger, could have hugely benefited from an in-home veterinary nurse visit or a vet tech visit. By being there for pet owners in this unique way, Carla's not only lending a hand to pets and their people, but also easing the load on veterinarians. We also explore the invaluable human-animal bond that we share with our pets and its incredible significance. What we really want to leave you thinking about after you listen to this episode is the immense value that in-home veterinary services can bring. They can prevent bigger health issues, shorten illness durations, and ultimately ensure that we get to enjoy more time with our faithful companions. So are you ready to get to know Carla? I know you're going to love this interview. Let's do it. Qualifying as a registered veterinary nurse in 2001, Carla Finzel has worked in Spain and the UK in general veterinary practice, as well as emergency and critical care. Her passion for One Health, One Welfare led to the development of the role of district veterinary nurse. Her mission is to raise standards of pet nursing care within the home, all while considering the vital importance of the human-animal bond. She is often faced with a challenge to reconcile the immediate needs of clients at home with obligations under the UK veterinary regulations, which I'm very interested to learn more about. Welcome to the show, Carla. Hello. how are you, Tori? Thank you for having me here today. And it was lovely to meet Bush and Lucy around there, <laughs> yes. I'm so happy to have you here. And you just have such a wonderful spirit uh, and energy. And um, I hope that whoever's listening to this episode can pick up on that.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Likewise, likewise <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, so why don't why don't we dive into it just r- straight away um and and tell us, about how you decided to transition from working in veterinary practices to doing in-home veterinary nursing care because um, that's such a wonderful service and and a great niche. And how did you get inspired to do that?
0: Uh, Well, I worked in practice for nine years full-time in emergency and critical care out of ours hospital in Brighton. And, you know, I have like 22 inpatients. It'll be one vet and me answering the phone for 17 clinics in the area. We'll be dealing with uh, gastric torsions, cesareans, epileptic patients, um, emergencies coming, um, road traffic accidents, all sorts. Um, And I just sort of like kept diary over the years, how many animals were actually hospitalized that actually were none of those acute cases. There were more with us to um, administer the treatment plans the vets have prescribed uh, because the pet owners found them very challenging. So if you were to say, for example, the vet um, prescribed quite rightly, say, um, eye treatment, say to a dog every six hours. Um, and it'll be um the treatment will entail maybe three different eye drugs, um ointment, um drops, um, and lubrication, say, there had to be at least ten to fifteen minutes apart administer. So that's a good forty-five minutes that it takes to do that between the time of administration and waiting, because you can't do all of them at once because some of them will be washed away by the other, so they'll take no uptake on the cornea, um, and that has to be done four times a day, every six hours, mm-hmm. so six a.m. to um, eight and midnight. People work. They need to work to be able to keep a roof over the, their heads, feed themselves, feed their animals, pay veterinary fees, eat well themselves to keep working. Okay. Um, people have non-visible as well as visible disabilities. But however, unlike the human healthcare, if this was the equivalent of, if our patients were the equivalent of being an elder person someone that couldn't walk, or a child. We have no referral system to community nurses or district veterinary nurses, but we do in human. Um, And I, this was very real, you know, Um, and I'm talking about just an eye medication to save a dog's eye for a pet owner that cannot administer the treatment herself himself for many reasons who are we to judge so um and then you'll see that this animal is sitting there miserably and then stops sitting and then you have to place an esophageal tube (laughs) to feed it by tube and that's particularly palpable with feline patients more so than maybe dogs but you know and that's just something very simple yes okay
1: My my sister's dog, when he was um, getting elderly, had arthritis problems, and their vet prescribed Adequan injections, and she had to do subcutaneous injections herself at home, and she was really nervous. You know, she was practicing on an orange like she was in med school or something. Crazy, Crazy. And it, it is, you know, it, it's asking a lot of people.
0: Yeah. Only that an orange doesn't move and doesn't have feelings. And it's not your baby. Right. It's not your your companion, your family member. Eh? An orange, I just, I always have found that mind blowing, actually. And you can't, you can tent the skin on an orange to create a tent, which is where you're going to inject. Right. The skin of an orange is taut, it's not. Flexible, <laughs> right? And, and it doesn't and, go and like, and also, It doesn't yeah. make do, does like <laughs> and, and and that's it. And it doesn't move. And and it's a complete different story, isn't it? And it's very daunting. Some people have never uh, held a syringe and a needle before in their lives, so they don't have the dexterity. And it's almost like we all need to sit down and remember the first time we were seeing practice work experience or anything like that and someone asks you can you draw 0.5 mils of this to inject a dog or a cat or rabbit or anything like that you're all fingers and thumbs you're nervous your hands are shaking and we and you know we do it without even thinking but these people is like right back there to 30 years when you were in vet med school you know and, and then I don't know any single vected or veterinary surgeon or anyone that cannot remember that experience and shaking and just thinking my God and we' are asking these in 10 minutes in a consultor room to do a to a pet owner. Some are frightened, some inject themselves and these drugs are very serious you know if we actually for whatever reason we miss, ourselves and we jab ourselves. We actually have to record it on a, on a book and we have to tell the manufacturer company. Um, is, uh, you know, any adverse reaction we have to declare or anything like that. Here we have Librella and Solencia. These have, uh, been, I think you've heard of them. You have mm-hmm. them over there. Okay. And Perrones are administering these at home themselves. And yeah, it's you very know,
1: powerful.
0: It's very powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Why cannot a veterinary nurse that is fully trained come and, and save them that nightmare? So I mean, had, like they're
1: sweating. <laughs> right, right. So so you had this sort of idea that it sounds like it kind of slowly evolved as you were witnessing over several years, you know, what people were coming yeah. in for. And so you started a business um, that does home veterinary nurse visits to to help people. That's it. So
0: after a few years thinking, my God, all these animals are here because nobody is going out to them to help them, not because veterinary professionals wouldn't want to, but because I I just don't know. I just found it mind-blowing that, oh, sorry, this is Orlando.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We have a little kitty cameo. (laughs) Yes,
0: yes. This is my friend. He pops in sometimes. You know cats that get through doors.
1: (laughs) Oh, it's not. He's not your cat. He just came in. No, 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 (laughs) that's it. So he's a friend. (laughs) But the
0: owners know (laughs) he's here. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Sorry. I know, Um, but you know, you kind of stop back at the border. Anyway, coming back. Sorry. I'm so sorry. This is your fault, baby. Um, Okay. So I began thinking and talking to many vets. I spoke to many vets uh, from my own veterinary practice where I work and from neighboring veterinary practices that knew me very well from being the out of hours nurse that was always there. Yeah. And I said, you know what? If you were to find yourselves in your consulting room, And you were worried about how that poor pet owner would manage what you're asking them to do, which is quite rightly the treatment plan that the animal needs to have. But if for whatever reason you think I could help, contact me. I'm going to stop being in in practice, practice, and I'm going to just take the plunge. I'm going to live on pennies. But I'm going to wait for a vet's call to go out. I wait for your call. If there is something I can help you with, that means it can save that animal life. It can keep that elderly person with their beloved animal companions for many years to come because there is no reason why this condition it's chronic. It's like, you know, you become something you have it for many years. You know, it's sometimes you can't take it back. I've had referrals from cats that were diabetic, and through the skill set of a veterinary nurse in the home, they've actually become stable really quickly, so quickly, because from the day it's diagnosed and there, then sent by a vet from any veterinary practice in my community, I get a formal referral sent to me. I can only work on the direction and instruction of the veterinary surgeon that animal is under the care of and I wouldn't have it any other way anyway because it's my protection and my safety as well. I don't know who could be calling me, asking me for help. The pet owner could be a genuine person it could be someone that wants to harm me So, and that dog doesn't assist or that cat. But we've achieved remission on cats It's not possible kind of on dogs, unfortunately. But cats, you have a window. If there is nothing that is internal medicine that is like a trauma or the pancreas is irreversible or anything like that. If it is just your average cat that is just a little bit obese, that is just tip over the scale, that has become diabetic because of it, we can reverse it. It is no problem. And I've had many cats come into remission. It's a life sentence. Ha, I've been yes. diagnosed with mm-hmm. diabetes. You're having to inject yourself morning and evening, well, yourself, your animal, morning and evening. The caregiving burnout is unbelievable. You know, like anytime you can make it home for an hour or two in the evening or in the morning to give that injection, you're sweating if you're running late from work. Going on holidays, anything like that. I know that you can take them to countries. That's fine. Go for it. But it also, we need to think of the people that have disabilities.
1: Yes. Well, and in their day to day life, because you, you can the send them to, to boarding. Yeah. Yeah. When you go but out of what town. Is that? But yeah. that's for a weekend or something. Yeah. Yeah. So, I totally understand yeah. the the caregiver burnout because, um, you know, my dog Bert is epileptic. And so he does take meds every day at 7 a.m. Mm. and 7 p.m. And in my opinion, it's one of the best things that's ever happened to me is rescuing him yeah. for, many, for many reasons. But having having to do something at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., it works really well for me because, you know, I'll say, oh, no, I can't do, I can't go to your party, which I don't really want to go to anyhow, because I have to give my dog <laughs> his beds. So it, it's, yeah. it's worked out in, in many different ways, but also um, I've become more involved uh, in my community with my neighbors because some of my neighbors come and help me uh, with Bert when I can't be here. And, you know, giving a Labrador pills is very easy because he'll eat anything. <laughs> So they just kind of toss it his way and and it's no problem at all. But um, let mommy birds
0: with the little birds open their mouths waiting.
1: (laughs) Yes. So he's, he's very easy to take care of. Um, But I just, you know, some of my neighbors, I didn't even know their name five years ago. And now they come into my house. I go into their house. We help each other. And um, it's wonderful.
0: The power of the human-animal bone. Oh, my God. Goosebumps. Look at me. Look at my arms. They're just the most beautiful thing in the world. Yes. The human-animal bone. It's
1: also because Bert, I mean, everyone thinks their dog is the best dog. I think my dogs are the best dogs. Um, But he has a wonderful personality. And so my neighbors and my friends and family who help me, um, they love him. And they love helping because they feel like they're making a difference and they're helping him and they're helping me. And it's just a wonderful cycle.
0: Oh, boy. And when they come in and give them the pills for you, how you go and give their animals their treatment or feed them or anything like that. My god, we could be flies on these walls. Maybe the conversations your neighbors have with Bert and Lucy when they come in.
1: Oh my gosh, it would be well, amazing. I have all a the camera. Wolves, all... <laughs> have a camera in my in my front room and I have yeah. I never I don't really watch my friends when they come over, but um no. but a couple of years ago I had some renovations done and I had contractors here and I yeah. looked at the camera, I I had to go out and do something. So I looked at the camera just to see if they were still here or if they had left yet. Yeah. And the moment I turned it on, one of the contractors <laughs> was laying on the floor, talking to Bert, just petting him and talking <laughs> to him. And it was so cute. <laughs> Maybe he was trying to figure
0: out and ask Bert's advice as to... What quote to give, or yes. anything, or something that happened to him on the drive? Someone cut him and skipped the red light, and oh my god, he was so frightened. And God knows the conversations. I love that. It I love very, that.
1: It, I was the fly on the wall uh, that day, so that was kind of sweet. yes, yes. Oh, um, so you're powerful. so you're doing wonderful work, just helping people, and and I love how you point out um that you know i think a lot of times in our in, in the prescribed care for our pets we're not always taking into consideration like you said the invisible and visible disabilities of the pet parent um because it's 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 a lot for someone um to take care of their pet. And when their pet's not feeling well, it's an enormous emotional stress. Um, So how do you, I guess, help people? Because you're not just administering the care, but you're kind of listening and and talking to people. So how does that come into play in your work?
0: Um, It's very big. It's very big. Um, Listening is probably one of the, as well as giving that injection, life-saving Injection every day of insulin, uh, as well as giving that heart medication, epilepsy medication, um, all of those things. Level with that, I would say an importance is important since how I listen, and what is it that this pet feels hurt? That is n- not no veterinary textbook has taught me that. No veterinary textbook has taught me compassion, and I'm very fortunate. Veterinary surgeons are very on board, you know, because they really want to help pet owners as well. And when they when they send me referrals, they said, you know, I'm really concerned, and I could see what a weight on the shoulders of this person this is right now. And they say that they won't be able to do it, but I just know that if I send you, I. This time next week, maybe you would have empowered them to be able to give that medication. And that means the world to me. I don't know how it's become like this, but sometimes it's actually an appointment to just coach the pet owner, to help them get to a place, a place within themselves that they're okay to do this, you know, that they they can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, And listening, listening. And they they always feel, they always say, oh, I feel so stupid. I feel so silly. Um, I'm not good enough for my animal. And I said, are you kidding me? You're not good enough for your animal? Look at the way he's looking at you, darling, you know. Come on, let's just have a cup of tea and a chat. And I come in and I'm on the kitchen floor with the dog and the pet owner. And we talk and I hear. And they need this. They need this veterinary human support. This is the one missing piece that we have in veterinary medicine. Listening. Soft medicine. Doesn't mean you're weak or just fluffy or it's no butterflies and fairies and blowing dandelions. We can perform magic, but we can make the journey for pet owner, however short or however long. We can make it really good. So let's stop being Victorian and move forward. Yeah. Have the courage. Courage. Courage is with heart, with passion. That's where the word courage comes right, from. Right. Have the courage to be human. And once you're human and you're at one with the human of that patient, then you'll be able to have that passion. One of my greatest mentors is Dr. Professor Alison Lambert. She's a veterinary surgeon in the UK. She's the founder of OnSwitch, okay? And she has been preaching for 30 years in the veterinary industry here in the UK, in Australia, in all over the world. She has been saying, we achieve successful patient outcomes when we work with the people that live with them. So what does it require to work, okay? And what do we do for people in our workplace that have any disabilities, non-visible or visible, we adapt. Yeah, it's called, uh, what's it called, reasonable adjustments or something like yeah, that, sure. do you know, mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. So why are we doing this with pet owners? We should be one vet team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- That triangle is so important. Yeah. Veterinary nurse, pet owner, veterinary surgeon. And the one sentient being that we all care about is in the middle, which is this animal, which is just a bundle of joy. And that joy is what I'm here for. And that, and the joy to me, that little fluffy thing or big fluffy thing or, or bird or goldfish or I don't, I don't care. At the end of the day, the human being and that animal go plodding alone. They sit in their home. They have a cup of tea. They go to bed together. They wake up in the morning ready for another day. And all I care about is to protect them and that they have no anxiety. No worried, and that they know that there are people in the world that have their backs. Mm. That's all I care about. That's all I care about. For however long it is written in the universe that this animal and this human are going to be together, Mm -hmm. no animal should go before their time because their pet owner cannot administer a treatment plan. They shouldn't leave them. They shouldn't be rehomed. If all it takes is a veterinary technician to come and help them, why isn't it already available and accessible and affordable? Yes. Worldwide. (laughs) Yes. Worldwide. Because we are, it's almost like we ask all of those things of you guys, because all of these things now we know we are part with human medicine. You can, we can find out everything. And we can treat it. But, you know, come on. The help needs to be there as well.
1: To well, them beyond I, that
0: consultant yes. room.
1: I mm-hmm. love how you pointed out just knowing that they are supported. Because I think feeling alone and feeling like I my pet depends on me. I have to do everything myself. Mm. This is all on my shoulders. Mm. I have to make all the decisions for them. I need to pay for it. I need to... Do everything for th- it's really a lot. Um, it's you know, having your child's life in your hands, basically. Um, but what happens when your child becomes
0: sick and you're going maybe through a divorce, or you are half a boss who is an absolute ASS, and um he says, Well, I don't care if your dog needs a tablet three times a day, you work from." A to Z, and I don't care if it's at home and it's in pain, you know, it's not a human where I'm legally obliged to give you the time to go home and do this.
1: Yeah? Right.
0: Uh, yes, this is so why we need to work that? on,
1: the, on the, pet, the pet bill of rights or something. Absolutely, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Or, yeah, so what about if you're in a situation
0: where it's actually emotionally How you can emotionally handle something is also an ability. And sometimes we're not in the best place, okay?
1: Yeah. But we have help. Yeah. Mm. And I I love um, also just talking about the soft medicine, the caring, the listening, the compassion, Mm. the courage. Um, And I think it is a missing part in the veterinary field. And I think it's gotten worse as corporate... Entities have taken over so many mm-hmm. vet practices and instilled mm-hmm. quotas that they need to meet. Mm-hmm. And there's often mm-hmm. not time to just sit and talk and listen. And, um, you know, I- I've been in many vets' offices where I felt so rushed and just mm-hmm. like, I they didn't have time. They couldn't wait to get out of the room because they had to get to the next one because they had a quota mm-hmm. to meet. Mm-hmm. And it's not mm-hmm. their fault, but mm-hmm. I just wish it was different and um and thank mm-hmm. you for all that you're doing to make it different. I
0: try you know, I try because I actually one of them i am I am one of them, I'm one of you and and I am just hoping to do the best in the little corner of my world and if it ripples anywhere else in the world. Well, that would be amazing. Uh, but yes. Um I think every single veterinary professional is torn inside. Yeah. That rush, that rush, that rush, that rush. Yeah. And I'm sure
1: they don't want to rush. Yeah. No, either. they don't. And they no. don't want
0: to f- uh, they don't they don't want to follow a flowchart either. They want to cut to the chase and do the best for the patient and that per honor but in some places in the world someone is within that their neck saying you didn't follow the line uh, yeah it makes it
1: very difficult
0: and that's you know they you know retention of vetina yeah retention of veterinary professionals is a real concern in the world there are lots and lots and lots of cats and dogs now as pets. Uh, the pandemic have seen a huge increase in pet ownership. However, I don't know your numbers there, guys, in the States, but here we are just like 30,000 vets on the ground on the frontline qualified nurses who knows maybe about 15,000 and that's all you've got and we have 12 million dogs 12 million cats known to be registered in veterinary practices how how do you cope and the thing is that i don't know i just i am in practice as well i'm not a spring chicken i don't know how i manage uh, it's because i wake up every day Wanting to make a difference somehow. I also work in 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 um in practice some days, and I work in the community some other days, and I see so many vets and nurses burnout is massive, but they have children, they have a mortgage, and when their veterinary practices are taken over by corporates, it's pretty much down to the um assertiveness of the staff that are already in there to try and keep their values as much as possible and not be overrun like ivy a building overrun with ivy so like um and it's funny even two veterinary practices of the same corporate company uh, strong enough, one might be stronger than the other in the personalities that they have inside. And they're like, no, we've always done it a certain way, and we are not going to sure change our clients on that just because you've come on board now buying it and and getting all our toys. I don't feel I need to do these tests. and this is the medication I want to get, and I appreciate that it doesn't come from the wholesalers that you tell us, but from another wholesalers. But this medication is actually, Better for my patient or cheaper, but or cheaper, but that is very rare. And it depends very much on how strong that clinical director of that veterinary practice is.
1: And they have to be very strong because they're probably having very strong people constantly. Mm -hmm.
0: That's it. That's it. I'm very fortunate that um, when I'm in my role of a community veterinary nurse, I I hear what the vet says and I kind of then hear what the vet means. Mm. And what the vet means is how he wants me to help that pet owner. So one thing is administer the treatment plan and I go exactly by the book of what the vet says and then I report back. And all my reports are formal, unofficial. And they go to the vet, and I give always a copy to the pet owner because there is nothing I would say to a vet that I wouldn't say to a pet owner. And that is something that is very rare because I think pet owners are never offered their clinical notes, but in fact, they are your property and you could have them. Yes. You see, because you're part of it and nothing happens without you. And the thing is, I think it's very hard to understand in 15 minutes in a veterinary. Office, what that vet that is so rushed has been trying to tell you, and, and 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 the hearts of some veterinary surgeons are constantly clenched, and they need the help, and they contact me, and I go and I just and that repetition again of what they said, and I help with concordance, which is just making sure that you understand. What I understand, and that you see what I see, and that together we are a team to help your beloved animal companion, your family member, and that was quite brutal and quite hard. That my heart goes out to veterinary surgeons that don't have this support. Yeah, the
1: support is needed on both sides. So absolutely, so the the veterinarians mm. and the pet parents this triangle yes, that you talked absolutely. about absolutely
0: um, sorry i say pet owners because it's just so british to say pet owners uh i'm so sorry is that ownership say, pet
1: parents pet parents which oh. is <laughs> much
0: but much nicer
1: because ownership really we don't know anything well and in fact i really prefer pet guardian pet guardian
0: uh, uh, uh-huh. we are just entrusted with the care of these animals that we provide food, water, adequate nutrition, adequate companionship, exercise, and veterinary care. You know, the five freedoms, as they call them, yeah, of animal welfare. So in this time and space reality, I am a human being. And if I guard the well-being of animals, then it's a very happy passage in this lifetime for me in this planet. And just a passage... I don't own anything at all. I just I'm just full of gratitude to be here. I might not come back again. Who knows? But if in this time and space and reality in this lifetime, I can hold someone's hand and say, you know what, I haven't got it all figured out. I don't know how birth is gonna be this time next year. But right now, we're just gonna do this if you want to. And the vet send me to help out. Mm-hmm. Let's do this. Let's do it. Let's make sure Bert is happy and he can keep talking to the neighbors.
1: Let's do this. I love it. <laughs> Carla, it's been such a pleasure talking with you. And I know that your website has so many resources and case studies and information. Um, so where can people find that?
0: So it is
1: www.dvn
0: that's district veterinary nurse, but it's shortened as D for district V for veterinary and for nurse hub.com www.dvnhub.com.
1: Okay, wonderful. And I'll have all the links and and resources and everything in the show notes. If anyone wants to find that at wherewagrepeat.com. And thank you again, Carla, for your time and sharing your wonderful story with us. Uh, what a pleasure thank you for holding this beautiful
0: space for me today i can't thank you enough and i hope to make it over to you at some point visit your country and say hello to lucy and
1: birds and roll on the
0: floor with them
1: <laughs> i hope that you do that would be amazing <laughs> you'd be the first person i call <laughs> oh, my goodness <laughs> thank you carla and thanks again Some of the best conversations happen after the episode. Send me a note on Instagram at wearwagrepeat or find even more women petpreneurs to connect with in our private Facebook group called Wear Wag Repeat Labs. If you want to dig into more episodes, resources to grow your business, or find a link to something we discussed, it is all right there for you at wearwagrepeat.com. I'll see you back here next Wednesday for a fresh conversation.